On the record on News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. By the way, we were talking earlier on uh, this hour about the whole nature of a state inquiry and what sort of format it may take. Uh, we have received a tweet from Barry Andrews, the Fianna Fáil MEP for Dublin, who does point out that the pandemic response in Ireland was heavily impacted by decisions taken in the EU, including by the European Medicines Agency, by the European Centre for Disease Control, by the rollout of the COVID cert and by the recovery fund. He says any inquiry needs to focus on an EU dimension. And that, of course, is a particularly sensitive question today because today is March the 20th. It is the day designated by the government as the National COVID Commemoration and Recollections Day. And that, of course, is particularly sensitive to the families of the 6,638 people so far who have died from COVID-19 in the Republic of Ireland. There are several events taking place across the state today. One of them is in Merrion Square this afternoon at one o'clock, an event being organised by Dublin City Council. It's being presided over by Dublin's Lord Mayor, Alison Gilliland. Before we came on air, I spoke to her and I started by asking you to outline exactly what's taking place at Marion Square today. So today's event here in Marion Square, the park in Marion Square, is part of the national commemoration. So it's the, it's the Dublin event and it's been organised by Dublin City Council. We have a lovely opening from Dublin Fire Brigade. We have a piper playing. Then I'm giving an address and that's followed by several performances of poetry and music. We also have a speech from our Dublin Fire Brigade Chief Officer and we have a speech from Assistant Civil Defence Officer Fergus Byrne and we're going to close with a performance from the Continuum Youth Choir. So it's all about memory and commemorating, particularly those who lost loved ones to COVID uh, during the past two years, but also really commending our frontline health services, our frontline emergency services, who were central to managing the pandemic. After that as well, you're going to be in attendance at the, the, the central government's uh, events, which are at the Garden of Remembrance in Parnell Square a few hours later. Yes, I'm then going up, leaving Marion Park and going up to the Garden of Remembrance to take part in the national commemoration, which I believe is the tarnished in place of the Taoiseach. Um, this obviously has been uh, a day of events which has been advertised quite a while and, and it was announced in line with the extra back holiday that this was going to be a day of remembrance. And yet it also seems to have sort of crept up on people a little bit almost by surprise. Are you surprised that there maybe isn't a, more of a national sense of, of occasion for a day as solemn as this? The bank holiday is this, or the new bank holiday is the 18th, so it's the day after St. Patrick's. And I suppose perhaps some people were just focused on the St. Patrick's Day parade and getting out again and being on the streets and reconnecting. And other people may in their own small way at home just reflect on this particular day and not come out to the main celebrations but it is it it's i suppose when the media give it some attention people will realize that today is the day when we are celebrating and commemorating those lost to COVID. I suppose not to to immediately dismiss today's events because I'm sure as they get underway that people will see them as very solemn and appropriate occasions but is it maybe in that sense jarring that a bank holiday or a public holiday which is generally seen as something of a a public day off or a more light-hearted event that there's a bit of a, a culture clash between people getting a day off for ostensibly, you know, good reasons and then having a, a day of, of commemoration for something which was uh, far more, uh, far, far less fondly remembered, I suppose. 
I suppose when you think of St. Patrick's Day and the day off for St. Patrick's Day, we're celebrating our national holiday and people do that in parades. But I do think as a nation, we were, ve- we're very minded of those we have lost and any national day or commemoration, even Easter, uh, Christmas, people do remember those they have lost at that time of celebration because we also, as well as being sad and I suppose um, less excited about a national holiday we are it's also a day of celebration and i think no better than the irish to wake our loved ones and celebrate that circle of life and celebrate uh, somebody's contribution to their family and to life so it it is a mix of remembrance and celebration mm. um i suppose that there's never a, a a perfect time to do something like this but some people would note the 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 serious irony of having something of a commemoration which which in some ways would signify in, in many people's minds the end of a process at a time when there are still so many COVID cases and so many people being being laid up and being seriously sick. I'm very conscious that we are still living with COVID, but it is much more manageable thanks to our very effective and efficient vaccination programme. And we don't know what the future will will hold with regard to COVID, but it will be more manageable. I do think, however, people need to pause and need a space for reflection when you think of those who lost their loved ones and they didn't in a lot of cases have that space to be with family and to grieve and to console each other funerals were down to 10 12 people so i think a day like this allows people to to come together in remembrance and consolation and also that element of celebration and remembrance do you think that there is uh enough done in in the present day and i'm I'm asking you this as sort of in your role as a a council from a, a party that isn't in government that that the, the government has maybe stood down some of the supervision a little too early or that it's maybe taken its eye off the ball and not realised how much of a problem that COVID may still pose both both for the public as a health threat but also the, the burden on hospitals as a result. I do think one of the things that for me COVID exposed was the under-resourcing of our health services and that's something I'll be, I'll be noting in my speech today that our hospitals and healthcare facilities were so central to managing COVID. It really exposed the other underpinning issues, particularly with recruitment and retention. And that's one of the areas that I am disappointed that the government didn't manage throughout the pandemic was put. And I know there's a worldwide um, sort of crisis with regard to trying to recruit healthcare staff, but it's something that I think we could have started planning for our future healthcare services a, a few a couple let's say we could have started planning for our future healthcare services during the pandemic when when it was exposed that they are under resourced and is that something then that you you think that needs to be addressed a little bit more urgently by the government now better late than never yeah, I, I, I think there's lessons to be taken from COVID, particularly with regard to our healthcare service, mental health services, early intervention, uh, those more vulnerable groups, childcare, elder care, that I think we need to learn those lessons and we need to build back better for a more sustainable 
uh, public service and a more equitable society. When it comes to uh, learning lessons, as you just said there, there's a lot of reporting in today's papers based on some remarks that, that Micheál Martin said, and obviously he is somewhat ironically missing all of this because he has COVID and he's in Washington, but he's been talking about the format of some sort of future state investigation or inquiry into how all of this was handled, and he says he can't really foresee a world in which the likes of the chief medical officer might be called before some sort of inquiry to, to give evidence as a witness. I mean, I know that there's people want to give people like that a certain amount of latitude or to sort of recognise that everyone was doing things on the hoof, that no, no one had any foresight of what all of this would entail. But you might think that in order to, to really get to the bottom of how things were handled, could they be done better and what lessons can you learn in the future, that maybe you still would need to hear from the likes of Tony Hula and that sort of environment, wouldn't you? I think when we look back and we evaluate how we manage the, the pandemic, from every sector, whether that be the health sector, childcare, education, that we need to do that in a very open and collaborative way. There was no playbook for how to manage a global pandemic. And I think the government's efforts made decision based on evidence and rationale that they were working from. Things could have perhaps been communicated a little bit better, but I, I don't think there is a need for serious finger pointing. There is a need for a critique and for with the objective of taking learning from it that will better inform the next pandemic or the, the management of the next crisis that we face. Sure, but, but ought it not then to be possible to have a kind of a critique where you hear from some of the people who were involved in bringing forward the recommendations without it becoming some sort of a mudslinging thing or without it becoming adversarial? Absolutely. We need to hear from all those who made decisions during this period of time and I suppose discuss why those decisions were made. And there is an element of hindsight and hindsight is, you know, it's very easy to learn from hindsight, but it's your foresight. And I suppose I'm I'm always minded of um, our good friends from the WHO about perfection being the enemy of the good. And I think when you are in a crisis, you are forced to make decisions somewhat on the hoof, but you have to have some rationale for those decisions. And I think evidence and data and going forward, we're in a better position now with regard to gathering data, sharing data, and that worldwide collaboration and sharing of expertise. But I think the critique is around how we in our Irish context, take that expertise and apply it. That's that's the skill that we need to hone in on. And how can we, I suppose, develop those skills better going forward? We're beginning to use, lose your collection a little bit, so I might just put one question then more to you before I let you go. And this again is, put, is putting your, your Lord Mayor's hat back on. Um, have you given any thought or is there any thoughts in your mind as to what might make for a permanent sort of COVID memorial? Like, you know, obviously events like today are very important to commemorate those who we've lost and to commemorate the, the efforts of those who kept the health service running. But maybe that there might be some place for some sort of a, a statue or an installation or for there to be some some physical edifice that would remind people of what we've gone through in the last two years. Yeah, I think there's probably room for something in national capacity uh, as a national memorial. But with my Lord Mayor's hat for Dublin on, I would like to see every small local park have some sort of, whether it be a tree or a rosebush or some small element of commemoration so that local people 
who have lost their loved ones locally have a local place to go and remember. I think that's very important for people that in their own locality, there is a space there that they can sit and reflect and remember. Alison Gilliland, the Lord Mayor of Dublin, speaking to me a little bit earlier.